0: welcome to the fantasy sports collective podcast it's your host j dub we are finally set for the college football playoff matchups i'm going to talk a little bit about that not get too much into the games but talk a little bit about that in florida state and then i'm going to go deep on who the college fantasy football all americans were this year just go through all those names top First team, second team, just highlight who are the players that made a difference in this year. So we'll catch that on the flip side. This is America. Don't get you slipping up. Don't get you slipping up. Look what I'm whipping though. Okay. What did we learn this week? We finally have the four CFP participants. Texas is playing Washington, Michigan's playing Alabama. And all the talk is about Florida State. Did they get screwed? Look, I don't think so. It was just a shitty situation in a year where we had three power five conference undefeated champions, a strong one-loss league champ in the SEC, and Big 12. And I think the complicating factor, just to cut to the chase, was that they played each other in this season. And the much stronger team lost at home early season to the weaker team but when you get to the final end of the season, it's tough to leave out. It's tough to leave out an SEC champion because SEC is a great conference. Uh, they've earned that over the last twenty years, and particularly even this year. And you can't leave out Alabama, who's been one of the best programs, or actually been the best program in the last fifteen years. Let's just be straight and honest with that. Who beat a two-time consecutive champion who hadn't lost in a year and a half in Georgia in the SEC championship game. But if you're going to put them in, you can't leave out Texas, who only has one loss against a very good Oklahoma team, and who beat Alabama at Alabama in October. So it was a tough situation. Then you could say, hey, did FSU deserve it over Washington or Michigan? But that's a hard argument to be made, too, given the strength of the Pac-12 this year and just the the legacy strength of the Big Ten. I would argue the Big Ten, quite frankly, the the, uh, schedule Michigan played, and the quality of the Big Ten was really low this year. Just look at the number of teams that were ranked consistently this week. Penn State was solid and very deserving. They're going to a, a New Year's Day Bowl, or they're going to one of the big six bowls, I guess they call it, since it's not New Year's Day this year. And then, but then after that, it's Iowa, and Michigan played Iowa in the title game. Michigan, Iowa is just a horrendous. That's the d- disgrace. The back 12 had a bunch of great teams, a bunch of teams ranked all year long. They all beat up on each other. But even at the end, you had Oregon, who was a really good team. I I would put them up against a lot of these other teams. I'd love to see them play someone like a Penn State or even FSU. I think they would have been right there with them, probably better than Penn State, quite frankly. But you had Washington beat them twice, once at home and once in the the Pac-12 championship game. They beat everyone they played. They had a complete season. It's hard to leave them out. I think it, I think, is it fair that they got they put out? No. And quite frankly, I think the argument needs to be made that we need to focus on why are we still a 14 playoff here? This is stupid. Every other level of college football is a 16 playoff, 16 team playoff. We're here because the college presidents, the 80s, and the NCA had historically outsourced this D1 football title to the bowl games. That's just stupid. They're slowly pulling that back. But so, yes, Florida State didn't get a fair shake. And the answer is to accelerate the larger playoff format ASAP, period. As for the matchups, I'll touch on those in a future episode. But high level, Texas and Washington is a really good matchup. This should be a tight game. I don't know who I like better, but this is a matchup that I'll be watching with keen interest. ton of NFL talent. The other game could be great. And I'll be rooting for the Big Ten to break through versus the SEC. But mostly because I like to see a new conference win the title. And let's be honest here. Alabama looks great. They figured something out. Jalen Molloy looks like the real deal. They're dynamic. They're back at the throw in. They can run the ball and they soundly beat Georgia, who in my estimation probably is one of the top four teams in the league. And if you were really doing this based on merit and quality of program, you probably have Georgia and Alabama in the final four. I don't even want to touch who the other team, two teams would be probably Michigan and Washington and, and Texas gets screwed in that scenario. But regardless, like that's pretty solid. So this could be a lopsided affair, though. I hope I'm wrong. Okay. On that note, what I really want to get to is what, 2023 College Fantasy All-American teams. I uh, got a first team and a second team. These are the players who made College Fantasy Football Championships this year. These are the guys that just performed well. You're going to you're gonna hear a lot of names you probably know and, and love, and guys will likely play in the NFL, and you're going to hear some guys that, that may not. So- Without further ado, I'm going to kick it off with the first team. First and foremost, this guy dominated. In researching this, blew my mind. He averaged nine points per game more than any other player. And it's quarterback, Jaden Daniels of LSU. He's a finalist for the Heisman. I think he's got a great shot at winning. If he doesn't win it, it's simply because LSU fell apart there at the end, lost too many games, and he'll probably lose it to Michael Penix. A potentially... Bo Nick's, But I'd be surprised and that. I think Michael Penix may, may surprise people and get the Heisman. That's another topic for another day. But to say this guy was good this year is a gross understatement. He averaged, as I said, nine points more than any other player. This was akin to the Lamar Jackson advantage from like six, seven years ago in college fantasy. He was a cheat code. I think a lot of teams that won the titles in their respective leagues probably had Jaden Daniels. So kudos to him. He's a senior. He's coming out. He's likely a first-round pick. I talked about him in last week's show. I don't love him and on the pro style, but he could surprise. He's very good. I got two running backs on the first team. So Rahman Davis. I'm probably mispronouncing his first name. University of Kentucky senior, top scoring running back in college fantasy this year. He averaged 22 points per game. This guy scored 20 TDs. He was a dual threat. Had seven TDs through the air, 13 on the ground. Bunch of catches. He was a clear number one college fantasy back. But note, he's averaged 20 points per game less than Daniels. Think about that for a second. Daniels was basically averaging more than the top two, roughly the the same as having two of the the top two backs in the league. That's how much of an advantage he was. Put that in perspective, the next best quarterback, who was a couple points over anyone else, who I'm giving a little jump here, but second-team quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, was at 34 points per game. And everyone else was like 32, 33 or lower. So anyhow... Amazing year for Jaden Daniels. But back to Roman Davis, solid player from University of Kentucky. Really good. Next, running back is Omari Hampton, UNC sophomore. This guy is a top recruit. Shockingly, he was almost universally undrafted. He was only drafted in 11% of leagues. He went on to become a critical college fantasy piece. He's going to be back next year. Very dynamic, explosive player. Expect good things out of him. Maybe he's not as good as a junior simply because Drake May is gone. T- defenses can more focus on the, on, the, on the running back position. Also, UNC has got a super deep backfield. We got a ton of top recruits, lots of good talent there. So maybe he just doesn't get as much touches next year, but I doubt it. I think he's going to be a top fantasy selection a guy, someone people should be targeting. Okay, at receiver, these two names you're going to totally know, and they're both guys that should be drafted high in the NFL draft, both juniors but likely to come out this year. First one is Malik Neighbors, LSU is a junior. He averaged 23 points per game. Look, did Neighbors benefit from Daniels exploding this year or vice versa? I suspect they both helped each other. We see this often when you have know, really talented players. We saw it actually at LSU with Joe Burrow, Jamar, uh, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrence Marshall, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like all these guys elevate each other. Although in retrospect, we now know Joe Burrow was very good. And Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are likely Hall of Fame level. And maybe Burrow is too, if he can stay healthy long enough to uh, make it make a great career. But anyhow, yeah, Malik Neighbors, top 15 NFL prospect. He showed that talent this year, and he was a top college fantasy performer at wide receiver. Definitely a guy that probably was on a lot of rosters that won the title this year in college fantasy. So good name to remember. Next is Rome Adunsi. I'm definitely pronouncing this guy's name wrong, but UW at University of Washington Jr., he averaged 21 points per game. He's a pro prospect, likely top 10 pick. He paired really well with Penix. He had a huge season. Big reason why, or a, a, definitely a factor on the offensive side of the ball, why Washington went undefeated and was playing in the CFP. So really good stuff there. Great player. Tight end. And I want to make emphasize this. Tight end first team All-America is Brock Bowers. He missed a bunch of games, but he still made this list because. He was five points per game. I think that's great. Yeah. Four, or actually, four points per game higher than any other tight end. And even though he missed a bunch of games, he still scored more total fantasy points than any other tight end this year. But think about that 14 points per game. He's basically seven to eight, nine points below the top players at running back, wide receiver. That's a huge gap. Basically, tight end is a wasteland right now. It's not a place you should be investing a lot of early capital when you're doing a draft. It's an interesting thing because Brock Bowers is a guy who's going to be a top 10 NFL pick, clear top NFL prospect, likely coming out this year. Just very interesting when you look at that gap. Anyhow, he was a great player, though, when he was healthy. He was the guy you wanted. I don't know if he translated to a lot of college fantasy championships, though, given the, the depth and dearth, quite frankly, of high scorers in, at tight end position. Kicker, very interesting guy here. Brett Auburn, University of Texas, junior. Likely he's going to be back. Auburn scored more than two points per game, more than the next kicker. He was an advantage for all those that had him. Maybe he was a difference maker for some fantasy championships. I doubt it, but he's the first team All-American on this list. Good stuff for him. Okay, second team. I already mentioned Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma quarterback. He's a senior. Um, This was close between him and Bo Nix. Could have gone either way uh, with these guys, but ultimately – decided it was him. He was a slightly more points per game. Nick was was right there, had more total points. I think he played an extra game because of the Copper Championship game, but it was a point per game lower, so Gabriel gets it. Look, he's a good good player. What's interesting is it came out, news came out today, he's entered the transfer portal, which is insane. He's a fifth-year senior, by the way, Uh, but it it shows he clearly knows he's probably not a high-level pro prospect. If he can go get a Four or five million dollar one year nil deal to go play at another Power Five school. He's got to take it. Great move. One of the great things about nil now is these guys are able to get paid. These guys that are really difference makers on the college level, they can take care of their futures. More power to them. Okay, two running backs here, two big names. Everyone knew these guys. They were highly drafted. One is uh, Blake Corum, Michigan senior, and the next one is Audric Estime, Notre Dame junior. One guy averaged 21. Actually, both one guy was 21 points per game. The other guy was roughly a little bit more, but 22 points per game. Blake Corum was a preseason All-American. Basically, lived up to the hype. He was, I think, he was held off the first team by just being paired with another excellent NFL quality back in Donovan Edwards. But nobody, no one's going to behoove the fact that he did as well as he did. So if you took him, you know, again, he was probably part of the equation for a lot of championship teams. Good stuff there. And then Audric Estime looked very good. He led the Notre Dame ground game. I think he's one of the top pro prospects at the running back position this year. Again, not a super high-end season or year for prospects, but still really solid. Good stuff there. At receiver, I got two guys here. One is a local guy, went to my one of my local high schools. And the other is a, an undrafted, definitely sleeper guy. Probably definitely made some championship teams because he was a waiver wire pickup versus Troy Franklin. Franklin was Oregon's kind of top offensive weapon last year, he had 1,000 yards, a bunch of TDs. This year he exploded for 1,300 yards. He was Oregon's biggest weapon, next big play threat. I think Franklin probably leaves for the NFL this year, but if he doesn't, he'll be a top fantasy starter next year. Malik Washington though, University of uh, Virginia, UVA, Washington was a shock to the entire fantasy system. Look, he, he was drafted in 0% of leagues, So he was truly a waiver wire gem and a really interesting selection for people. I suspect there's probably some high correlation to him being picked up and those teams going on to have pretty good success and a high propensity of those to win titles. So good stuff there. At tight end, you got Cade Stover, Ohio State senior. He was at 10 points per game. Again, this is not a, a needle-mover position in college right now. But Stover is another in a long line of productive Buckeye tight ends. Year after year, the Buckeyes produce a ton of fantasy relevant at the college level. Again, guys and who go on to have mediocrely productive NFL careers. So unlike Iowa, Notre Dame, and Stanford, among others, who always get the pub for NFL tight end prospects, and those guys typically are much better at the pro level. Iowa's right now got the mantle with with Kittle and I guess Noah Fant, and obviously Sam Laporta. Notre Dame's got a bunch of guys out there too, Michael Meyer and so on. Stanford's got Dalton Schultz and a, a litany of guys from the past. But Ohio State just delivers productive fantasy college football seasons at the tight end position. Always look to them. And then last but not least, Randy Bond, Texas AM senior. He was just shy of 11 points per game and he was a point ahead of any other kicker with the exception of, of Brett Auburn. Interesting, by the way, that it's a random back, but University of Texas had the number one kicker, first-team All-American, and Texas A&M, their big rival, had the number two kicker. So I don't know what's going on in the waters down in Texas. Maybe it's the weather. Maybe it's offensive stalling. I think in Texas A&M's case, they had a really productive offense this year, but they stalled a lot in the red zone. So Bond kicked a ton of field goals. And so that led to them to have a good season. So anyhow, clear fantasy MVP. I already mentioned his name many times goes to jaden daniels i guarantee he his name is on a a high percentage probably the most percentage of college fantasy winning teams a guy had 40 40 touchdown passes i mean he was just 40 touchdown passes 10 rushing touchdowns so he had 50 total touchdowns he rushed for 1100 yards threw for 3800 yards spectacular spectacular really good season And by the way, for anyone who cares, he was drafted in 100% of leagues, and he's obviously rostered in 100% of leagues. Interesting note there. Some of the guys in the top, just honorable mention guys I'll throw out there. I mentioned Bo Nix already. I'll throw out Haynes King. He ended up as the seventh quarterback in fantasy. He was drafted by zero teams. And even at the end, he was only rostered by 63% of leagues. Pretty crazy. Jalen Milroy was drafted only 27% of leagues, and he was the eighth overall quarterback. And he, at the end of his draft, or he's rostered by 74%, and he was hot down the end. Anyhow, that's interesting. Audible mentions that running back. I mentioned Cody Schrader, Missouri. He's a senior, but he's got a he's got another year left if he wanted to come back. I suspect he will, because he's a dynamic white running back. Doubt he's going to be highly drafted in the next level. But he was drafted in only 26% of leagues. And even at the end, he's only rostered by 74%, and he was the fifth overall fantasy uh, back he ended up with 1,500 yards, actually almost 1,670 yards and 13 touchdowns, so really impressive year for him. Um, Marquise Irving, or I think he goes by Bucky Irving, was next on that list, so he was number six. He was drafted 100%, rostered 100%, so not really that that crazy. Another, though, I'll throw out as Random, who had a big season, was Dylan Johnson. He was uh, number eight overall. He was only drafted in 16% of leagues. And at the end, only rostered by 58%, which is pretty crazy. But he really came on late in the season. Let's see, at receiver, Some the honorable mentions, first and foremost, Marvin Harrison was fifth overall. Kind of just missed joining this list. Obviously, he was rostered and drafted by 100%. Um, Brian Thomas is an interesting one. Obviously, Jaden Daniels' explosion helped him. A lot of people have him as potentially a first round selection this year's draft. He's a junior, so he has to come out. He was only rostered, or he's drafted only 30% of the leagues, rostered by 89% at the end. I'm trying to think of who else here. There's some interesting odd, honorable mentions. I uh, won't even talk about tight ends. Oregon State's Jack Villing was the kind of honorable mention here, but again, he averaged 8.8 points per game. He finished the season with 29 catches, 438 yards, and 18. And folks, that's your number three overall college fantasy tight end this year. Of the Power Five conferences, it's abysmal. I know. Again, kicker—the one guy I didn't mention who's really close to this list—is Will Reichert, the Alabama kicker, he was drafted by 100%, rostered by 100%. So, not shocking by any of those measures. Okay. On that note, appreciate you listening. I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode, and hopefully, you had several of these all college All Americans on your fantasy team and had a great year. If not, some of these guys are going to return at the top of the food chain. In the off-season, I'll, I'll try to do one on emerging young players, guys to be looking at for this upcoming season. Basically, a, a pre-pre-pre-season All-American list. And then next summer, I'll do a, a pre-season All-American call-out. So on that note, I appreciate you listening. Hope you have an awesome day. Take care. Good night. Bye-bye. Before we leave, let me tell you a little something. Something. Huh? You up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. Uptown funk you up. <laughs> I said Uptown